Welcome to another episode of Metal, Rock, and Whiskey. I'm Sailor, and sometimes I get riled up. Mostly I curse. A lot. Maybe I'll even shed a tear. No, that does not happen. Actually, I just yell at Jake. Yes, you do quite often. But anyways, on this podcast, we typically compare two albums from one artist against each other. We'll discuss, argue, debate the merits, and in the end, only one album will reign supreme. So this is actually a very special show, and it's going to be a five-parter. Tonight we will be discussing, drumroll please, somebody, Metallica! Where's Lars when you need him? Fuck is God! Fuck is God! So, all right, many of you may be asking, why is this such a special show? Well, because this band, this discussion, and this debate is what started it all. That's what started this podcast. So as we mentioned in our intro episode, last summer I made an Instagram post debating with myself what my favorite Metallica album was of the early albums. And it set off a huge discussion with a ton of my followers, most of them my whiskey-loving friends. It was a lot of fun, and I could tell there were a lot of people that were getting super riled up, so I decided it would be fun, a fun idea for a podcast. Now, now, to be completely transparent here, we have attempted to record the show before in two parts. Or I guess I should say we have recorded this, but it was kind of a mess. We all got drunk at various times. We didn't really know what the hell we were doing. And since it was the subject that started it all, we decided to hold off until we felt really ready. So here it is, the big Metallica show. Hopefully, lovely listeners, you'll enjoy it and won't we won't get too drunk this time. <laughs> Please, guys. We'll, we'll try our best. I... It, it only makes good. perfect sense that we failed miserably trying to record two episodes. And so we're going to do th- five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's do th- five part episode instead. Uh, episode one tonight, we're going to discuss Kill 'em All versus Ride the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know why we're breaking it down this way, folks? Well, it's because I'm an absolute weirdo freak about Metallica. I refuse to listen to anything after the Black Album, which I don't even like. So there you have it. Oh, boy. (laughs) And something else equally important. (laughs) We're a bunch of whiskey nerds here on the Metal Rock Whiskey Podcast. And on this show, we do drink. And we drink in high volumes, mostly. So... (laughs) Before we get started into this discussion, Matt, Ed, what you guys drinking tonight? Well, I decided to go uh, rye tonight. Uh, Yeah, and uh, being a fan of New York whiskeys, I decided to go with uh, Taconic's Founders Rye. Nice. Yeah, they're out of uh, Stanfordsville, New York, up the thruway. Uh, Nice little bottle, pretty young. Um... Again, for a young age, very complex. Uh, it was a little... When I first opened the bottle, it was a little green. Seemed to need a little bit more time in the barrel. But after a while, after it opening up, I've had the bottle open for a few months now. It just... You, you get more of the... You get more vanilla, a little bit grassy, actually. It's pretty cool. Good stuff. I would go check them out. Taconic Distillery on Instagram. They have you? a... Yeah. Hun- you can, like, go hunting on that property, too. Yeah. You can. They are actually v- very avid outdoors people. Yeah. From the yeah, ones yeah. that I've met that work there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's Very crazy. Cool. The story is really mm-hmm. cool. Well, Metallica was a pretty significant um, show 
for me here. So I wanted to pick a whiskey, a bourbon as equally significant for me. Um, and kind of going along with the fact that we're delving into Metallica's most antique albums, I picked Weller Antique 107 to go with this. Nice one. Um, that's one that I could drink every day, just like I could listen to Metallica every day. And it's a little bit higher proof um, from my usual bourbons. Well, I figured Metallica deserved it because they're a higher proof band. Boom. Nice. Good one. I like it. Sailor well, I'm drinking, um, I'm killing a bottle of 1792 it's one of my favorite daily drinkers um and i feel like because i listen to these older metallica albums so much that i thought it was appropriate to um have my daily drinker one of my daily drinkers readily available for the shows so that's probably what i'm going to be doing for all three of them i think cool concept we'll see, we'll see. very cool well for me I think I went in a little bit of a different direction and uh, being that Metallica is one of my absolute most favoritist bands ever. I went with one of my most favoritist pours ever, which is the Elijah Craig 18 year. It is an absolute vanilla bomb. Um, it comes, Ooh. comes right in at that uh, 90 proof range, which, you know, generally, with uh, younger stuff, I like, you know, if, if we're right in the 8 to 12 year range, I do like something higher proof. But uh, when we get into the 18 and up range, it does kind of, it is kind of nice to mellow it out on the proof and be able to really get uh, get a good flavor of the, uh, the, the oak, oak notes into the bourbon. So that's what I went with tonight. Nice choices. Very, very nice. Yeah. It's very tasty awesome. indeed. So... With all of that out of the way, before we get into this bloody slaughter of a battle, Sailor, do you have some rock news for us? I have a poem first, actually. Because... Oh my god, I can't wait. Oh, a poem. Wow. <laughs> it is Valentine's Day. Fan- fancy schmancy. Oh, that is yeah, true. Yeah, so I true. don't personally celebrate Valentine's Day because I think it's a bunch of bullshit. But uh, nonetheless, I wrote a lovely poem for our listeners that do celebrate. Hey, Hallmark employees deserve to eat just like everybody else. (laughs) There's birthdays. There's Christmas. Whatever. Um, Okay, so here it goes. It's, It's kind of a masterpiece, so brace yourselves, everyone. An ode to Metallica. Oh, Metallica, you thrashed my soul with your motor breath and metal militia. Many times did you give me whiplash. Before you, I felt trapped under the ice. Then... Together we rode the lightning, hand in hand on fucking black unicorns. Never would you be a disposable hero to me, I thought, even when it seemed all Lars could do was seek and destroy a rhythm. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For many years, you would be the one for me. But then I felt a creeping death. The Black Album was the thing that should not be. You pushed me to the frayed ends of sanity. My heart began to bleed. And when asked for whom the bell tolls, I became the harvester of sorrow as you began to suck. So I have no remorse, my dear Metallica, when I say 
Fuck you, Lars. Uh, oh, that was clap. fucking awesome. Soul clap for that one. I, I'm, I'm that was there. outstanding. Yo, not just black unicorns, but fucking black <laughs> unicorns. Black unicorns, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are metal unicorns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think? Am I getting a... I love- what do you get? Pulitzers? I don't know what you get for po- poetry. <laughs> We might have to put that oh, in the listeners. Facebook group. That was awesome. You better copyright that. <laughs> so happy Valentine's Day, fuckers. <laughs> uh, feel free, listener. You are you, one of a kind. Listener, feel free to just recite that poem to your significant other and see what happens. Daria. <laughs> yeah, forget the roses, friends. Just recite that poem and she'll just melt in your arms or whatever. Mm-hmm do <laughs> all right okay are you guys Gotta follow that up with news <laughs> i'm ready for some news i think after that hey, come on. <laughs> that took a lot of work okay so some uh fitting rock and metal news today uh there's a cliff burton petition going around metal fan metallica fans in specific um in cliff burton's hometown of castro valley california have started a petition to make february 10th which is burton's was burton's birthday the official cliff burton day this petition is actually spreading pretty quickly and gaining some traction um, it's actually all over a lot of news sources. The Castro Valley Municipal Advisory Council is on board with this commemorative date and have approved it. Um, the story actually even made it to CBS News. So now, um, and they actually voted for it 7-0, to zero, so it was unanimous. And uh, cool. now it's in the hands of the county. And the county board of supervisors have to approve the holiday. And people feel like they're going to approve it. So I actually found the petition. It was unclear if you had to be a resident of the city or county to sign it, but I signed it anyway, whatever. Um, So we'll post the link to that petition in our Facebook group so you guys can sign it as well. At least it's just a show of all the fans that are out there for Cliff. And uh, we can be updated on the progress if you sign the petition as well. And we'll definitely mention it on on a future show um, and stay up to date on this. We'll definitely sign That's that. That's awesome. Yeah. Can I sign the petition? Bach is God. Oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> in <laughs> shitty news, Slayer calls it quits. Oh. Supposedly. Matt, yes! Matt, you and I, hugs. hugs yeah. Hugs. But you have, a th- you have a theory on farewell tours. Did they call you, it you quits don't think because it's, yeah. people started stopped listening to him, finally? Oh, shut wow. up. Wow. All right. Well, you guys have heard that Slayer announced their uh, upcoming tour with Anthrax and Testament, etc. will be their last tour. Um, They're actually calling it the final exit tour. Now, usually I don't believe this crap because so many bands in the past have said they were done. They weren't going to tour anymore. You know, they weren't going to make any more albums. And then they do. So I always take it with a grain of salt and I don't freak out. Um, And actually recently, Carrie King's wife made a public statement, which is kind of weird, alluding to the fact that Slayer would not be done after this last tour. They would keep recording but wouldn't tour. That just seems really weird. Um, I don't know. I'm a little unsure about this one however due to the loss of Hanneman I feel like it would be a risk to not see this lineup for possibly the last time a risk that just might be too great for Slayer fans so um and now to tie this into tonight's episode Mr. Dave Mustaine of course had to weigh in on this news and took to Twitter 
to, to drum up support for a last big four show. Um, the big four, of course, referring to Slayer, Anthrax, Metallica, and Megadeth, the big four of Thrash. Now, this is not the first time the idea of a last big uh, four show has come up. In the past, Tom Araya was quoted saying, the politics of character in one particular band were holding up more shows. Huh. And Mustaine, of course, denied that it was him. So, who the hell knows? And speaking of anthrax, um, Ian Scott recently sat down with Full Metal Jacket to discuss his new book called Access All Areas, Stories from a Hard Rock Life. In his interview, he discussed that Anthrax is, in fact, working on new material for a forthcoming album, and he thinks they have some great material already. Even though I'm not a huge fan of his as a person, he's kind of a dick, I've met him, um, I'm interested in his book and the stories he has to tell, I'm sure, are amazing. And I'm super interested in hearing what Anthrax has left to offer at this point as well. So that is your rock and metal news for the is, week. Is it just me or is Ian Scott in every single, like, behind the music or anything televised talking about any band Ian Scott is, like, present and interviewed? <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, he is, is he is like literally in like every VH1 show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Everybody knows the guy's face, and nobody. Pro I mean, the majority of, of people can would recognize and go, "Oh yeah, that's that guy," and they have never heard Anthrax before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like swing bands of the late nineties. Oh, yes. Scott Ian, Scott Ian. Yeah, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. who's ready for a little trivia? Let's do it. We are ready. <laughs> All right. Ooh, yeah. Well, I've been keeping track since we started officially releasing our episodes, and currently Matt is the leader oh, with cool. two wins to Sailor's one and Jake's one. Okay. Is this is this aggregate so, scoring? So our total points cumulative through the episodes or <laughs> Just, I'm just, it's just, just a win-loss, Jake. Just ask, I don't just keep ask. points. Why don't you just make that a Either three you win before we even or you start? Lose. I'm, a so I'm a soccer <laughs> fan, so I like aggregate scoring. Oh, man. All right. And tonight's trivia is all about, surprise, surprise, Metallica. What? So here we go. I have selected eight questions about the band. Good luck to you all. Oh, new rule. I must finish the question Thank before you. anyone can buzz in. If you buzz in before I finish the question, you're automatically disqualified from answering. Oh, wow. snap. So well, Ed dropping the hammer. Whoa. All right. I feel like I feel like this is anti Jake rule. <laughs> no, I'm the I think I'm the one. Take it as you will. Yeah. So it's fair. Bring it up. All right. Question number one. Metallica's first studio album, Kill 'Em All, was released on what record label? Ding, ding, ding. Sailor. Megaforce. You got it. That's one right for Sailor. All right. Good job. Question number two. <clears throat> when it came to making music videos, Metallica was a little bit late to the party with their song One, which debuted on MTV in 1989. The video features multiple clips of an old movie. What was the name of this Jake. movie? Jake. Ding, 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 ding. Jake. You got Johnny, it. get your gun. Uh, close. What? 
Very close, but that's not the exact title. If anyone can get Johnny, the exact get title, I will give it to them. Otherwise, I'll default to Jake. Someone has a chance to steal it from Jake here. It's not Johnny Go Get Your Gun? Nope. What the fuck? <laughs> that's what I was going to say, too. <laughs> uh, I'm lost. All right. I'm... Well, Jake, you get it on a technicality, but it's actually Johnny Got His Gun. Oh. Oh, that's close enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's weird. They, he got it. He got it. All right. So question, question number three. Speaking of movies, Metallica made an IMAX film in 2013. Which was part. Oh, you liked it. I think that was, was part perfect concert audio film. Represent, representation of that puke emoji. I think so. Yes. My favorite. The one which she likes to use. I Okay, anyway, it was part concert film and part action movie. Can anyone give me the name of this movie? Ding, ding, ding. Matt? Metallica Through the Never. Yeah, you got it. Max on the, Matt's on the board. My wife, and I, my wife and I were anyway, the only ones in the theater. Despite widespread <laughs> praise from critics and even a Grammy nomination for Best Music Film, it was ultimately a box office flop. Duh. Grossing only $3.4 million domestically. <laughs> All right. Question number four. At a 1992 show in Montreal, James Hetfield was severely burned when he got too close to a pyrotechnic device. What band took the stage immediately afterward? Ding, ding, ding. <sighs> Guns and Roses. Yes. It was Guns and Roses. And in typical fashion, Axl Rose proceeded to having a having a hissy fit during their performance and left the stage and caused a major riot. Can I do the puke emoji again? It's, yes, please. <laughs> this this trying to wait for the question to finish is killing it's brutal. me. It's how do I how do I how do I even right. know when you're done, Ed? When I stop talking, Ed, you should put your hand up, maybe, because you paused a few times. Put your hand up All when right. we're, when we can dig in. Fine, I'll put my hand up. You guys. Dad. All right. Question number five. For their 1988 album, Garage Inc., Metallica did a cover of a traditional Irish folk song. What was the name of the song? Oh, fuck. Ding, ding, ding. Jake? Whiskey in the Jar? Yes. Oh. You got it. Dude, you said 1988. Yes, I did. Yeah. You mean 98. No, 88. Really? It was actually, I'm is, sorry, it was Garage Days Revisited yeah. was the first Revisited was the first the album. one, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, but okay. They, All right. Yeah, that's what, that's so what I'm me. sorry if no. I confused you no. with that there. Minor, minor error. And I'll let it go this time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to, oh, and that was also one of Cliff Burton's favorite songs, which it is was. why they, yeah. they did it. Um, question number six. Metallica bassist Cliff Burton was killed in a bus crash, unfortunately, while the band was touring in what country? Ding, 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 ding. Jake? Sweden. You got it. It was Sweden. All right. Question number seven. Metallica wrote a tribute song to Cliff Burton on the And Justice for All album. Does anyone know the name of the song? Ding, ding, ding. Ding, 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 ding. Matt? That's Matt. Uh, to Live is to Die. You got yes. To Live is to Die. 
and actually Burton also received a writing credit for the lyrics and bass parts that were taken from unused bass recordings done by Burton, which were re-recorded by Jason Newstead. Yes, they were. Final question. Question number eight. Here we go. At the 2017 Grammy Awards, Ugh. Metallica performed their single Moth into Flame as a duet with Lady Gaga. Yeah. Unfortunately, the live performance was plagued by a major technical glitch. What happened? It sucked. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yes. Matt? Uh, Headfield's mic kept cutting out. You got it. Yeah. Headfield's mic did not work, and he eventually ended up sharing a mic with Lady Gaga. Hey, I was still right. And through a major temper tantrum yeah. on stage. So, I feel like there was multiple right. answers for that one. <clears throat> Uh-oh. At the it end of this, being a big one. <laughs> we're going to have to have happened. another tiebreaker here. We have Matt with three, Jake with three, and Sailor with one. I don't like so, dinging in system. And going in the spirit <laughs> of tiebreakers of yore, I will let Sailor do the honor of coming up with a question, pulling one out of the hat. Okay, I got one. Hold for on. For Jake and Matt. I got one. Uh, okay. Ride the Lightning. What inspired the album artwork? Ding, ding, ding. Matt? Fudge. Wait, the artwork or the name of the... The album artwork. Artwork. And it, it's both, actually. Uh, and if you would... get this wrong, you get minus one point. And I <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's actually something that I've read. Stephen King's The Stand. Yep. Yes. Yeah. All right. It's and it's a beautiful, action. beautiful artwork. Mm-hmm. And Matt pulls even farther into the lead. Wow. Nice win, Matt. Just enjoy it while it lasts. Good job, Matt. Just a brainiac. It should be noted that Matt is actually wearing a Metallica beanie right now, which I think was uh, unfairly soaking his brain with knowledge. <laughs> unfairly? <laughs> yeah. Unfairly. I make up words. That's what I do. Unfairly? Okay, I like it. They call it being a wordsmith? <laughs> Look it up. Okay. <laughs> it's as legit as a black unicorn. Look it up. <laughs> yeah. like, hey, they exist. You don't know. You don't know. You don't even know. You don't even know. You don't even know. <laughs> oh god. Shit. All right. Should we get into this whiskey pairing? Let's do. Let's this. do it. All right. So. <laughs> so I'm doing this whiskey segment a little bit different. Um, hmm. And I'm doing it a little different because of the way I feel about Metallica. Um, definitely one of my favorite bands ever in the universe at a, till, till a certain point, and then I hate their guts. So um, <laughs> today I'm going to talk about Bullet. <laughs> Bullet Frontier Whiskey. It's a pretty well-known brand these days, and dare I say, very beloved. It's pretty rare to see a bar shelf that doesn't have Bullet on it. Does that mean it's a good whiskey? Does that mean it's the same whiskey it started out as? Is it the same juice? What is truly behind the love for Bullet? And you can ask the same questions about Metallica. Every metalhead certainly had has at least one Metallica album in their possession, whether it be digital or physical. Is Metallica today as good as Metallica of yesteryear? Are they the same band? See, similar questions. So obviously I could have chosen Jack Daniels here or any other cheap-ass garbage because that's what these dudes were drinking in the 80s. 
I had a poster of Metallica that I pulled out of my Hit Parader magazine in the mid-80s, and one of them was holding a bottle of Jack. But I didn't want to dumb this segment down with Swill like that. In reality, Bullet these days kind of, for bourbon drinkers, I think, kind of fits that arena that Jack Daniels lives in. I've actually even was drinking Bullet quite quite a long time ago, before it was wildly popular. Um, most bartenders or industry people um, know that its marketing was solely focused for a long time at just bartenders. So those of us that were working in the industry knew it a little bit before it really became, you know, the big buzz bourbon. So at the time I started drinking Bullet, it was owned by Seagram's. And then a year later, um, in 2001, Diageo purchased Seagram's Wine and Spirits uh, portfolio, which included Bullet. Um, so what would come out on the market for several years later would still be the same juice produced while under the ownership of Seagram's, um, because of course, whiskey, bourbon, uh, has to be aged for many years. So we know that Bullet is, um, has changed hands a lot. And let me just preface this by saying, I really like Tom Bullet. Um, he's a really awesome guy. Um, he has a history in bourbon. He is part of, uh, definitely part of Kentucky bourbon history. Um, he's reviving his great grandfather's or his grandfather, sorry, um, whiskey that was called bullet. It's his, really his last name bullet. Um, look up the story, which is actually, especially if you can find a video on YouTube, um, of Tom bullet telling the story about his grandfather's freaking hysterical. Um, because he's, he's hilarious. He's hysteric. He is so funny. He's like, he's like your uncle that you want. Yes. And (laughs) yes, totally. And he, the way he tells the story is brilliant. Like the dude like literally disappeared. Like he was heading on down, I think to new Orleans or something, you know, floating the barrels down to sell it to, you know, in the merchant exchange and he never came back. And Tom's like, you know, I don't know if it's because he found a new family and he didn't like us or you know, if he died, like we don't know what happened. It's hysterical. Um, so anyway, so bullet now is a, jabillion dollar money-making bourbon and they have just built recently a jabillion dollar new distillery so they are now reportedly distilling their own juice which is i'm actually looking at the nice and it they're showing that they're up 2.2 jabillion dollars jabillion yeah (laughs) that's i figured um so all of these changes in ownership and changes in where they were sourcing their whiskey or where they were contract distilling their whiskey, doesn't that make you think of like changes in basis, maybe? Oh. <laughs> so now I don't really care who makes what. I don't care where it's made. As long as the label, you know, says what it's supposed to say, it's accurate and it tastes good and the price is honest for what's in the bottle, who gives a shit? I'm going to drink it if I like it, the end. But the many changes in production, for me, um, it changed the flavor of the the bourbon in specific. And that is something that disappointed me and made me sad because I used to really like Bullet. Um, So that's why I chose Bullet today because it's a very similar feeling to how I feel about Metallica. So here are my tasting notes. Uh, Bullet Bourbon uh, comes in at about between 22 and 28 bucks. So I consider it, for me, that's a low-shelf bourbon uh, for most bourbon nerds, whiskey nerds. For most people, that's, you know, probably a medium shelf for them, I would say. 
so on the nose with bullet bourbon, you get uh, upfront caramel, vanilla, some citrus. But in the newer bullet, let's say the past 10, 12 years or so, I feel like you get a lot of astringency and some dry, dusty oak in there. Um, on the palate, uh, caramel, dry wood, lots of pepper. You do get some citrus that comes through. It goes away pretty quickly, and you're left with a little bit more pepper. Um, you get a little bit of heat before the flavor. Again, that's not my favorite thing. I like to get flavor up front before the heat. And then on the finish, it's dry. Um, it's warm. It's dusty. And it's a little boring these days. So it's kind of a bummer. That's how I feel about Modern Bullet um, as opposed to the older juice. And that's how I feel about Metallica. So there you have it, folks. Proof that often if you sell out and lose your heart and soul, you might you might oh, have the products in return. Oh, very, very subtle. Very, very subtle. I know. That, that, that was really mean. I, Tom, I do love you so much. Oh, wow. my God. And, hey, Did that just happen? Had, the bullet ten year is actually really good, so we'll, well that's because it came from four roses. <laughs> Indeed, that's that's very true. <laughs> so you're agreeing with me then. You know, one thing <laughs> one thing happen. you know what, to to your point, and to your point, when when uh startups or crafts or you know, whatever you want to call them, when they get going and they're sourcing uh and they're sourcing their goods for a certain label. So, you know, in in, in Bullet's case they're sourcing their bullet 10 and and whatnot from allegedly, let's call it four roses. Uh, at some point, you should either just continue to source it and just keep the flavor profile the exact same and just start a new label within your brand. But they if couldn't. They, well, four roses couldn't keep up. And that's no, but what I'm saying Diageo's is like, fault for like yeah. expanding the brand too much. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is Bullet should have came out with like Bullet Original label yeah. or something. Yeah, I, keep it sm- and, I totally and, agree. And, and started still, once they yeah. started distilling their own product, bring it out with a new label. Yeah. So people understand this is not the same stuff. Yeah. And well, there's some, is- there's a couple. I think uh, I think Smooth Ambler is a uh, is a good example of a of a brand that has done that. Mm-hmm. They've you know, once they they everything that they've sourced, they keep under one label. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah, there's better solutions to it. I mean, Stitzel Weller was involved for a while, and then they changed where they were housing and barreling. And again, it's like, you know, Tom still does have a lot of say in the product and does have a lot of control. And for me, I would have said to Diageo, listen, screw Australia, screw whatever. You know, if Four Roses can't keep up with the demand, you know, do something else. We need to keep Bullet consistent, you know, America. stay true. Oh, yeah. If you have to actually give up and change, you know, if Four Rosa says we can't keep up with this demand because Diageo is expanding too quickly and too wide, you got to make better choices for your bourbon. That's just my that's my view, my opinion only. And the one thing I will say about Bullet, though, and the number number one question, one of the top questions I get being in retail is the question I get from a lot of people is what about Bullet? So people ask me, say, Matt, give me something that's good, versatile between, you know, $22 and $30. You know, I'm going Larceny. I'm going $17.92 small batch. I'm going, you know, Wild Turkey 101 if you want a little bit more of a kick. That's what I say. Wild and the Turkey first, And a lot of times the first response is they turn and they see 
a brand that they know, and they say, well, what about Bullet? Mm-hmm. It's a cool I, medicine bottle. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, I wouldn't drink it, you know, neat, but, you know, maybe right. in a, maybe, maybe, maybe in a Manhattan, maybe in an old fashioned, maybe, no. but not, but from no. there, no, I mean, you're getting more quality out of those other bottles. Yeah, like want. Buffalo Trace, Four Roses. Yeah, Buffalo Trace, yeah. Wild Turkey 101. For the for the value, the price, and you'll get tons more flavor. My beautiful 1792. And and that's the problem I have with it is that you're absolutely right. Everybody's, oh, bullet, bullet, bullet. And I'm always like, let me give you an alternative if I'm behind the bar. And they're oh, like, yeah. oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I'm like, <laughs> I, I know. Well, and <laughs> And, and there's 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 two different uh, two different scenarios where you know sailor you are in the position of of blending flavor profiles with other flavor profiles, whereas Matt is in a totally different position where he has to represent you know maybe this is where I feel this is because tasting notes are are so relative to the person. Sure. Whereas. Uh, you know, blending flavor profiles uh, kind of can range across the board to a sense. But I don't do just cocktails. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do, I'm doing whiskey tastings and it's all straight. I would never sure. oh, yeah, yeah. post a I mean, tasting yes. for Bullet, you know. And I mean, and I get asked all the time as I'm consulting for bars and I'm writing their bourbon lists, I get asked about Bullet and I'm like, I, I mean, if we're going to be completely honest here, I tell them, make that your well bourbon. That's a good yeah. well bourbon Absolutely. to me. If you want to have a quality bar, you know, that's a great option for a well bourbon. I wouldn't go any lower than that. You know, oh, well said. you know, or, or an old granddad, you know, something like that. Those are wells to me, but they're still quality enough. Ab so frickin' lootly. Well so said. that's that. <laughs> my friends. <laughs> I'm gonna get hate mail now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you know, no, I mean Oh, hey, awesome. we're, we're here. We're here to express what we think. And, and guess what, listener? If, uh, if you want to chime in, go ahead and check out our Facebook group uh, at Metal Rock Whiskey. And tell Sailor, you suck. I love Bullet. <laughs> fuck you. And I'll say, fuck you too, friend. <laughs> I was told that I need to say fuck more by a fan. More? Yes. More? <laughs> God knows you don't do it enough. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I have earned my expletives at this age. I have earned them, and I will use them liberally. Thank you very much. I didn't, I didn't catch what the Nielsen ratings well, had. Well, how had about using this... some to introduce our topic at hand tonight? Okay, I can do that. <laughs> oh, I thought we were done. Ed, keeping the train moving. <laughs> Thanks, That's Dad. Love it. Why I'm here. <laughs> All right, so we are going to start off with Kill 'em All. Metallica is considered one of the big four of Thrash, along with Slayer, Anthrax, and Megadeth, as I mentioned earlier. Um, we will definitely actually cover that subject um, in an upcoming show um, when we do a show about Thrash. But anyway, Metallica was formed in 1981 by Lars Ulrich. Fuck you, Lars, and James Hetfield in Los Angeles. Lars put out an ad in a local newspaper seeking other metal musicians, quote unquote, to jam with in the vein of Diamond Head and Iron Maiden. Hetfield was one of the several dudes that answered the ad and was chosen as singer and rhythm guitarist. Eventually, they put out another ad looking for a lead guitarist, and it was Dave Mustaine that answered the call. 
It said that Hetfield and Ulrich were just impressed with Mustaine's expensive guitar <laughs> equipment. Um, they, <laughs> they recorded Hit the Lights for the Metal Blade uh, Metal Massacre compilation number one. And also kind of as a demo for them to bring to clubs. The lineup at this time included Lars's childhood friend, Ron McGovney on bass. Um, and that compilation was released in 1982. And by the way, those first pressings, they spelled the band name wrong. They put two T's in it. And they go for about 180 bucks if you can find one in good condition. <laughs> I find interesting. So. There was Should a lot made of that a trivia question, Ed. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, Ed. Maybe for so, part two. <laughs> there That's was a lot of evil buzz nope. around the band after this compilation was released. And in March of 82, Metallica played their first live performance at Radio City in Anaheim, California. Then right out of the gate, they were chosen to open for British metal band Saxon at one of their gigs um, on their 1982 U.S. tour. This was only Metallica's second gig in their opening for freaking Saxon. Not too bad. So to gain more attention from club owners and bring them more than just one song um, on tape, they recorded the Power Metal demo, which featured the song Motor Breath in April of 82. And then the No Life to Leather demo came out in July of 82, which featured a re-recorded version of Hit the Lights, which supposedly sounded better. And let me tell you, when I got into Metallica heavily, which was about 85, 86, 87, around there, No Life to Leather was still a big deal in the tape trading world. Did any of you guys do that, tape trading? Those of us that are old enough to have done that? No? Yeah, um, did a fair, fair amount of. I think... Uh... Sailor, you and I might be the only two probably uh, the show to be <laughs> in that era, but uh, I think so. yeah, <laughs> nah. I mean, I used to like trade so, like, scotch right. tape tapes. No, no, I'll explain. So, <laughs> tape trading was um, okay, actually, tape trading was how I was exposed to music and underground music, I should say, independent music at the time. There really was an outlet if it wasn't local to you. And I also wasn't old enough to be going out to shows, which was pretty common as well. So in the back of all the music magazines, like Hit Parader and um, Metal Hammer, I can't remember all the magazines. I used to subscribe to all of them. In the back of them, you could put little classified ads and it would say, you know, willing, I have this tape or this, you know, recording, whatever, and I'll trade it to someone. And you would write each other snail mail, like, you know, little pen pal letters. And you would copy your tape, and you would send it off to them, and they would send you a tape of something else. No, and I never so went to that extreme, though. Really? No. <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh. Maybe just well, hand it off to a to a friend in in class in school or something like that. No, yeah. this but is how you like got no. stuff you didn't have or didn't have access. All right. Yeah, for um, me it was more like, hey, will you synchro dub your tape for me? <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, maybe I'm the only one, but I actually became really good friends with a lot of kids in Europe because we would trade, you know, different versions of albums and such. And I got turned on to a lot of music because of it. And um, No Life Till Leather, I had a copy of it. And man, that thing kept me going for like a good two years. It was awesome because Metallica fans in uh, Europe had never heard it and couldn't get their hands on it unless they traded. So anyway, that's me being an old lady. That's so. pretty cool that you were talking to people in Europe and trading tapes with people over there. Yeah, I, I mean, you never, you'll never see that nowadays. No, it's so it's pretty cool. The day before, uh, you know, getting on to chat chat rooms and 
Oh, yeah, it was stuff too. I mean, geez. yeah, yeah. It was, it was, yeah, pen and paper, and I would get, you know, I had a little friend in Finland, I had a friend, lots of friends in Germany, a friend in England, somewhere in northern England, an Irish friend, and a French friend. And also, the interesting thing I have to say is, it was difficult to communicate with each other because a lot of these kids. Um, which they were all way more advanced than American kids because they could speak and write in other freaking <laughs> languages. But it wasn't the best. And a lot of time there'd be like miscommunication. But, you, you know, you could read between the lines. Um, but right. some of these kids I stayed in contact with until I was in college. And wow. I started like trading tapes with them when I was like 12. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Now, my daughters, they go crazy. I think this is true for a lot of teenagers. I mean, if you don't respond to their text within two minutes, it's like something's wrong. Oh my yeah, god, you the know? world's exploding. Imagine if they yeah. had to go back yep. and, and wait like two <laughs> weeks dead. between uh, messages. Oh, weeks. <laughs> and many, many weeks. Yeah. And you be, so, hey, did you hear that new Megadeth album? Cool. You heard the new Slayer album? What do you think of it? Three weeks goodbye. <laughs> you get your letter back. And like, oh, he didn't answer that one question. Oh, pen pals. I gotta ask him again. <laughs> what do you think of that new Slayer album? You wait three more weeks. <laughs> Well, Danka to my friends in the, in the Netherlands that uh, send me bottles of bourbon. Oh, lucky. Those, those, that's the new, that's the nowadays pen pal. So in late 82, Ulrich and Hetfield attended a show at the Whiskey A Go-Go to see a band called Trauma, which Cliff Burton was playing in. They were understandably blown away by Burton and really bowled over by his use of his wah-wah pedal. They asked him to join Metallica immediately, and initially he declined. But by the end of the year, they were in contact, and he said if the whole band relocates to San Francisco, he would accept. And they did. So the band was very good friends with Exodus and Exodus's manager, Mark Whitaker. So they stayed at his house in San Francisco. And because they're dickheads, they renamed his house to Metallica Mansion. <laughs> so Metallica was now ready to record their debut album. But unfortunately, Metal Blade was unable to cover the cost. There was a lot of shopping around, which was providing no results. So finally, a friend of the band and a well-known concert promoter at the time called Johnny Z borrowed enough money to cover the cost of the recording and signed the band to his own label, Megaforce. So the band travels to Rochester, New York. Uh, but right before they start recording, they fire Dave Mustaine. It was after one night after a gig in New York where reportedly... Um, his drug and alcohol abuse and very violent behavior became a problem. The same afternoon they fired Mustaine. Hey, you fired me from Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> Good riddance. So salt in a wound. Is Dave Mustaine here with us? What was that? <laughs> the same afternoon they fire Mustaine, Kirk Hammett of Exodus replaces poor Dave on the advice of Whitaker. Mustaine wow, Dave. what a coincidence. Yeah, right? <laughs> Mustaine was complaining publicly that Kirk stole his job. Shut up, you big baby. And actually, Hammett learned all of the Metallica songs for this album on his flight to New York and was recording barely a month later. Had That's never played insane. Uh-huh. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. So <laughs> the album was recorded and originally called Metal Up Your Ass. But... The distributor would not release the album because they're dicks and said that the title and the artwork chosen just wouldn't fly. Uh, do you guys remember that artwork? Was that what there was yes. like a knife coming out of a toilet or something like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Um, so they renamed it to Kill 'Em All because they wanted to kill all the distributors and put on new artwork. And yep. so the album was finally released in July of 83. Let me put some perspective into this year musically for you guys so here's what's happening on the pop charts david bowie's let's dance the police so good synchronicity yes 90125 you know owner of a lonely heart (laughs) journey frontiers but faithfully as the single i mean yeah and then here's what else was released in uh hard rock and metal Quiet Riot's Metal Health. It's considered the first metal album. That's a great album. album. Oh, hell yeah. It's the first metal album to reach the number one spot on the Billboard 200. Slayer's Show No Mercy. Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil. Def Leppard's Pyromania. Where's that emoji? (laughs) My boyfriend has Dark at the Moon. Iron Maiden's Peace of Mind. And Dio's Holy Diver. What? You just stopped after Quiet Riot. What? What? <laughs> Are you smoking crack? Iron Dude, Maiden? You don't like Dio either? Dio? Oh, oh, I can do without all those. What? Oh, anyway, yeah. it was an excellent year for music. Does that related? Mean, I, I feel like. Anymore? I feel like though, if you look at that uh, that Quiet Riot Metal Health album cover, where it's the Jason mask, it's kind of slaughtery, similar to kind of the uh, Kill 'Em All artwork. In, in that in that essence, yeah. yeah yes, no. But the music's not a bit of music not as good. Yeah. Oh no, I mean there's yeah there's, <laughs> there's no yeah there's big no connection in the music. So but. okay, back to Kill 'Em All <laughs> before we end this timeline. Um, this album is considered a groundbreaking album for thrash metal because of its precise music musicianship, blah, 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 and the notable fusion of British heavy metal and hardcore punk. And lyrically. Metallica set the stage for their, at the time, unique lyrical content in their music. Kill 'Em All was criticized, was sorry, critically praised at the time of its release and listed in several best album lists by music journalists. <clears throat> to support the album, which was not a huge commercial success um, at the time, they embarked on the Kill 'Em All for One tour with British metal band Raven. And then in 1984, Metallica opened for Venom, in which they played for a crowd of 7,000 people in the Netherlands. The crowd loved every minute of it, and word spread very quickly through Europe. And by the way, the term thrash metal was coined by Kerrang's journalist Malcolm Dome in reference to Anthrax's song Metal Thrashing Mad, which was published in 84. Prior to this, Metallica referred to their own metal as power metal. So before we break into this discussion, let me just list off the song lineup to set the stage. So we've got Hit the Lights, The Four Horsemen, Motor Breath, Jump in the Fire, Whiplash, Phantom Lord, No Remorse, Seek and Destroy, I think one of the best songs the band has ever written, and Metal Militia. So that is where we are at at this time with Metallica and Kill 'Em All. Yeah. All right. Who wants to go first? I will start. Go ahead, Matt. Okay. Um, <laughs> this period of Metallica's career actually has a good link to New Jersey, as everyone knows. I'm from Jersey, um, and you know jo- Johnny Z, uh, who produced the album or their manager, I guess. Um, was from Jersey, and they came out out east, and they played a few shows in New York and in New Jersey. And actually, Kirk's first show, Kirk's first show with the band, was in Dover, New Jersey, which is about ten minutes down the road from me. 
uh, at a place called the Show Place, which is now a go-go bar. Uh, it may have been a go-go bar then, who knows. Uh, but they have a good link to New Jersey back in those days. Um, for me, Kill 'Em All, it's just a fun fucking album. It really is. It's a lot of fun. Um, it has all those hardcore punk influences uh, that I really like in that early thrash era. Uh, you know, Mustaine, he had his say in some of the songs, but uh, from what I researched, you know, a lot of the lyrics that he actually wrote were a lot along the lines of like glam metal lyrics. <laughs> so, you know, before the Four Horsemen was Four Horsemen, it was the mechanics. It was about having sex at a gas station. You know, jumping jump in the fire before it was, you know, Hetfield's song was about teenagers having sex. <laughs> so it was, you know, as as rough and tumble as Dave Mustaine can be, he had more of kind of a glam approach to the lyrics, which I'm really glad didn't stick because to me, this album is, it's a battle cry. It's the best way I could put it. It's a battle cry for kids at that time who didn't want the makeup. They did not want the big hair. They we're kind of getting bored with the music scene. And here comes these four regular dudes, these regular outcasts who are singing about the devil. They're singing about death, singing about anti-establishment, all this stuff. And it just connected. And to me, it was like that first rallying cry to a new era of metal. And listening to this again, most of the times I hear these songs is from live albums or concerts I've been to that I've downloaded all the, all the, um, the the songs from those concerts and just listening to the studio version of this again just from a to z from the beginning to end it just was awesome absolutely awesome you know what i i'll take a a a completely different stance on that because when i listen to this album which i think uh when you're talking you know the big four of thrash i I think uh a lot of people look at kill em all as metallica's true thrash album it's like their peer. They didn't have, uh, you know, acoustic guitar solos like they do on latter albums. This is kind of what people call their true thrash album. But when I listen to this album, I I clearly hear when I first listened to this album, before ever studying the background of uh, of Lars and James, etc., I could hear the influence of Deep Purple heavily in songs on this album i mean Hmm. the four horsemen for example like the the main riff is heavily influenced by deep purple the breakdown is almost a complete copy of uh of leonard skinner to be honest if you listen to it, it it sounds like sweet home alabama what does what do you say the breakdown the breakdown of four horsemen listen to it Listen to I've Four Horsemen. To a million trillion times. I don't okay. hear that. Yeah, that okay. melodic bridge. Here's, here's yeah. what I want you to listen to. I want you to listen to Highway Star by Deep Purple and Sweet Home Alabama by Leonard Skinner. And then listen to Four Horsemen. And you'll hear that the main riff is heavily influenced by Deep Purple, which, you know, after reading up that. Lars was a huge Deep Purple fan. His dad was too. The whole reason why they hired Rasmussen on, you know, latter albums to produce was because he did produce Deep Purple albums. So that was kind of one of those like, man, I knew I, I feel like I've heard this song before. 
And and sure enough, I, I felt like there was a deep purple element. And then the breakdown of the song sounds very similar to the riff in Sweet Home Alabama. So I listen to this album and I don't necessarily hear, I, I guess to me, that like whole big four. And it's, I listen to Anthrax, I listen to Slayer, I listen to Megadeth. Megadeth is similar, the most similar to Metallica, which for obvious reasons, but I don't, I don't hear if, if the other three are thrash, then I don't necessarily consider this album to be thrash. And if well, it, I, I definitely would consider this to be thrash, but, but you know, but, but, you know good thrash. thrash. But consider, but consider if the this time album, it came out though. But if this album is yeah. thrash, then they did thrash better than anybody else ever. Well, they did. I mean, seek and destroy and whiplash, jump in the fire. Like hi, these are these are these, this is the dictionary definition of thrash. I mean, Metallica just is early Metallica is the dictionary definition of thrash. And I will absolutely agree but, with you I, and say that opinion. it's the best. It to me. It's the best thrash ever, and the rest of the big four, quote-unquote, thrash is garbage compared to it. Well, there you go. Garbage? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm saying. It's like I, they, are, they, are, they are either so far above everybody else in thrash. Well, they were, or, yeah. Or, or, they, or if you are looking at the other three as great thrash, then to me, you look at, at this Metallica album, and if you're trying to qualify it as thrash, then it's not. So it's one or the other to me. And to me, I, I like to think of it as, as thrash done well. Well, that's the conclusion I actually came w- with. Um, because this album, I have, out of all of Metallica's catalog, I have spent the least amount of time listening to this one with maybe Sane Anger coming in a very close second. Uh that which was a horrible album, um, but can this album. Can, can, can we just vote to never speak that name? Let's yes, like please. let's treat let's treat Saint Anger like Baltimore. The album that yeah. shall not be named. Saint Anger is Baltimore. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, it's done. Okay, it's we can go with that from now. I have on. my theory. I, I like Matt. I like we'll Matt. Later. So yeah. in our group text, in our group text, Matt Matt lists Saint Anger as Saint Copy and Paste, which I absolutely <laughs> love. <laughs> yeah, because there are three minute yeah. songs that they made into nine minute songs. That's what it is. Yep. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I really like this album. Um, I there was a few there's a few songs on here I was pretty familiar with. You know the bit the I guess the biggest hits out of them would be like you know the Four Horsemen. Um, Seek and Destroy, Whiplash, you know, I think most Metallica fans, even the casual ones, have probably heard those songs. But, uh, yeah, it's like, going into this, you know, I had in my mind, okay, Kill em All versus Ride the Lightning, Psh, no contest. Well, and then I sat down and really listened through, and I'm like, uh, I think we've got a game here. Um, yeah, I, I just can't be dismissive of this album. Uh, going through Seek and Destroy number one, I agree with Sailor. I think that's one of Metallica's best works. That that is just awesome. Um, Whiplash, I think that's probably my second favorite song on the album. Love it. The biggest surprise I got listening to this was the song No Remorse. I love the song 
no remorse that's somebody that that's a song that i couldn't have even named before going in and really listening to this album but uh yeah it's got the classic kirk hammett guitar in the intro but and i would love to see them perform this song in their current state this that would kick so much but i think they would crush it um hit the lights of course is another great one four horsemen um phantom lord was pretty good uh, i was kind of digging the they had the old school like synthesizer at the beginning of a uh, phantom lord which is kind of <laughs> odd hearing it in metallica you know but but it was cool for the time um yeah. you know motor breath jump in the fire metal militia were one of the all ones here i had there were, were decent songs but you know, they all rank below the other ones I mentioned. Now, Pulling Teeth, um, man, Distortion Pedal on a Bass. Um, who knew um, that could be a thing? Awesome. But, yeah, awesome. that that was really, that <laughs> yeah. was something. I, I, I'm loving it. I was digging it. It's not something I could repeat, listen to, but, yeah, I can appreciate it so, for what it is. So, to clarify on that, Sailor uh, and maybe Matt, you guys would uh, probably know better. Because that was something that Lemmy did yes. heavily was use yes. the source and pedal on he his face. Now, which treble too? Exactly, and he played he played a lot of chords yes. uh, throughout his playing. So I mean, even though it, it's known that uh, the guys in Metallica were huge fans of of Lemmy, however, Cliff was actually kind of known necessarily not to be, which is interesting that. He would use that technique on this album while yeah. it was kind of known that he wasn't a fan of kind of the most famous user of that in the, at this time. But I don't think you have to think about the time frame we're talking about. Um, although Motorhead is popular and well known, that he's not as prolific and legendary sure, yet. Sure, so that sure. style was was pretty common, actually. Um, I, I read an article about it and I... I I had too. I have too much information in my head right now, getting this all ready to tell you which other bassists did that. Did that at the time. It was kind of a thing at the time, and then just fell out of favor. But it's something Lemmy always did. So yeah, I mean that's that's what made Burton. Not only was that style what made him unique, but he was a well-trained musician. Oh, and he was a well-schooled. He was. He was a lover of music theory and mm -hmm. um, was taught very well. Um, his uh, bass teacher has spoken uh, often about him. And um, that was something that he, well, we'll talk about that when we get to Ride the Lightning. But that was a huge thing that he brought to the band. But Cl I mean, Cliff is, so Hammett isn't really contributing yet. So in, in, in Kill no, he's basically he's basically he, he's playing, playing Dave's. He's right. playing yeah. Dave he's, and he's James. He's a hired hand at this yes, point. He's, yeah. playing well, Dave, he's playing very, Dave very well. Dave Mustaine and, and James Hatfield have written everything at this right. point, and right. he's just playing it. Right, but um, but it, actually, Cliff as well didn't contribute as much. I don't think he felt as comfortable to stretch his arms yet from some of the things that he said in some interviews and things that I read about. Um, so it's. What I find impressive about this album is, okay, so number one, this was, at, the groundbreaking is a perfect term. At the time, if you were a kid like myself and like Ed, you know, and you were cutting your teeth on heavy music, this was like, holy shit. 
what did I just listen to? I mean, it was mind blowing at the time. If you were going to be a metalhead and you heard this, you were hooked instantly. Um, it was un. This was the first Metallica tape that I got my hands on. Many years later, after it came out, I got Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning at the same time and listened. I used to like to listen to things in succession, in the proper timeline. I was blown away. So this was. It was fast. It was furious. It sounded angry. It was fuck you. It was just brutal at the time it was so brutal um but so melodic as well it was so i mean it had enough hooks um it was just you know and and, and that's what they've that's what they've done better than every other yes yes rash band yeah i mean i don't want to say catchy because i don't like that term but they well, have because right, it's good they had yeah they had the yeah. right they had the right um arrangements they're they're very good at arrangement arranging that i think that was something that came natural to them even when they weren't really well-formed musicians yet that but i think that's they had good think, ears for that certainly i think and that's the direct influence of cliff at that time that he was sure. he was such a a, a more well-trained musician at that time yeah. to to teach the younger guys hey yeah. you know he might not get the credit Unless, you know, unless James and Lars are speaking of him, but looking at the album, he maybe doesn't get the writing credit for this, that or the other thing. But he gets he gets the influential credit if you listen to Lars and, and James speak of him in interviews. Certainly. But yeah. don't forget, he they wrote Hit the Lights without him, too. Sure. So, yep. again, like it, it's one thing that they both had naturally, I think, was was good arrangement. Um, they're, 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 they were good songwriters. Um, and, and Cliff just enhanced that. And then when, when Hammett is able to contribute, he enhanced that as well. And obviously they, they improved, but just going back to, um, Kill 'em All, it, it, it was, I think the name, I'm so glad that they had, were forced to change their name yeah. because Kill 'em All is so perfect because it's literally <sighs> what they did. I yeah, mean, right. It, it's really what they did. Like you were, you were like, that just killed me. Like what the fuck did I just listen to? That was amazing. Mm -hmm. So this to me is, this is what Metallica is to me. This is when I hear the name Metallica, this is what I feel. This is the sound that is in my head. This is the atmosphere. This, you know, the couple of albums in early Metallica to me, this is thrash. This is metal. This is Metallica. So I think it's so impressive for such a young band to come out of the gate with this yeah. and really define an entire fucking music genre. Yeah. It's, you got to give that to them. It's fucking amazing. Absolutely. Amazing. An, ent an entire genre and and multiple subgenres. Sure. Because sure. because they're I mean they're uh <clears throat> excuse me their catalog i mean just talking let's let's just talk about their first five albums their catalog right there spawned several subgenres of metal you know kicking off with with i mean just their first two albums they they weren't just thrash i mean they they started off kicking off i mean you look at how many bands have, oh, yeah, have are influenced by what they've done it's it's incredible and and i don't think uh i mean for me i'm metallica is one of my favorite bands ever and i'm more to the uh 
ride mm-hmm. Justice Black in that realm. But you know what? I throw on Kill 'Em All and I freaking love it. It's great. It's amazing. I can hear, you know, it's it's like uh, it's it's like knowing a friend from when you're kids and you guys grew up together. You know, you change things change, but they're still your friend and you still have those great memories from that, from that time period. But so. I think this album holds up though. Like when, and, and I think going back to it and listening to it this way is, has been interesting because very, I'm very. forced to listen to music from a completely different perspective yeah. now because I'm trying to break it down. Not that I haven't done that. I mean, I've probably listened to this album. I don't know, thousands and hundreds, maybe hundreds of thousands of times. Who knows? Since I was like 12 years old um but to listen to it and pick it apart so that i can pick out what i want to talk about and and you know the substance of it for this show has been really interesting and i have to say that some when we were when we were doing slayer i will admit there was some songs where i was like oh fuck yeah this doesn't Mm. hold up like (laughs) i haven't you know, I haven't listened to this song probably in a good 10, 15 years. It's, yeah, you know, if I pull it apart, it's probably not that great. And that's happened with, actually, that happened with Aerosmith. I went back and, like, really sat down and listened <laughs> to a lot of the catalog. And I was like, you know what? I don't even think I really like this band. <laughs> you know, like, I'll rock out to them, but I just don't think I like them as much as I thought I did. So this has been a really interesting exercise. And I have to say, kill them all. And Ride the Lightning have stay they have stood the test of time. For me, I still get just as excited when I hear Seek and Destroy as I did the first time I heard it. You know, and going back to to single out Burton for a second, just real quick. Um, I've had this argument with many a Metallica fan who will point to Orion as his signature piece in the band. Um, and while that is a great song. To me, it is not his signature piece. It is not his stamp that he left the Metallica. It is Anesthesia Pulling Teeth is his signature piece. It is his song. Um, you know, I've seen I've seen Newstead perform it live. I've seen Trujillo perform it live. Newstead got some booze when he played it. So, Ooh, I mean, to wow. me, you know, Trujillo plays it now. I've seen him a couple times play it during his bass solos, and he's got the, you know, he's got the silhouette of Burton behind him, and he gets some cheers, but... To me, that is yeah. that I mean, that's, is that's Cliff unfair. Burton. Oh, very, very unfair. I, I, I agree. They're, um, they're totally Newstead and 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 Cliff are totally different players. One's a finger they're player. They're just trying to play pick. tribute. They shouldn't. Get I mean, at least tri- at least Trujillo is a finger player like Cliff. Sure. Whereas yeah. I mean, Jason very, was a a pick player. I mean, very very true. Um, and I agree. But you know, that's just from my. I mean, I've seen them a dozen times. So I mean, I've seen. I've seen everything, uh, but I mean that is his anesthesia pulling teeth to me is is Cliff Burton's. That is his legacy on the band. Um, as good as Orion was, I've had that. Like I said, I've had that argument with other fans and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, great song. So good. It's so, so good. good. So good. Oh my goodness. Well, hey, you know what? Uh, I'd say we killed I gotta it. Pee. I, I, yeah, I, I think we've <laughs> I think we've crushed it on Kill 'Em All. Let's uh, let's take a break so Sailor doesn't pee her pants and uh, ruin 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 her new uh, piano bench that she's sitting on right now. Uh, you know I don't know what the varnish is, is made of on that bench, so we don't want to get pee. On. We don't want to get pee on it. No, just never no. know. So no. let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll discuss ride the lightning. Awesome. 
Okay, and we're back. So this is part two of part one of our Metallica <laughs> show. <laughs> this is A and B of our first <laughs> Metallica show. Side B. Whatever. <laughs> side B. Yeah. All right, B so side. we just um, discussed Kill em All, and then we all took a break to go pee, mostly so I wouldn't pee my pants. And now we're going to talk about Ride the Lightning. So I've got a little timeline we'll go over, and then we'll get into the discussion. So Ride the Lightning is Metallica's second studio album that was released in July of 84. It was released by Megaforce Records again. Um, it was recorded in Copenhagen by Fleming Rasmussen's in Rasmussen, sorry, in three weeks. Rasmussen founded Sweet Silence Recording Studio, and he was chosen because Lars really liked his work on Rainbow's Difficult to Cure album and really wanted to record in Europe. Rasmussen had never heard of Metallica prior to this recording. He agreed to work on the album even though his team didn't think Metallica was very talented. However, when he got the tapes from the band and sat and listened to them, he really felt like they had a lot of great potential. So good ear, Mr. Fleming. So <clears throat> Lars had to be taught the basics of timing and beat duration before and during this recording. Fuck you, Lars. Uh, there was notable growth on by the band on this album uh, as Cliff Burton introduced the basics of music theory to the band and had a lot more input on songwriting, as well as now contributions by Kurt Hammett as well and the oversight of Rasmussen. So the album was released to very positive responses from critics that year, recognizing its more ambitious efforts um, than Kill 'Em All. So let me put music in 1984 into perspective for you. Rat's album Out of the Cellar is released with their big, big hit Round and Round. Prince's epic Purple Rain is released this year. The Scorpions' Love at First Sting with the hit Rock You Like a Freaking Hurricane was released this year. Freaking Hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Van Halen's 1984 was burning up the yeah. Oh, chart. Yeah. There you Love go. Them. Also, Queen's Reich's uh, The Warning was released to huge fanfare. Dio released another album, The Last Line. Ingve Malmsteen's Jaw Dropping Rising Force was released. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that distracting? I'm sorry. Seriously. Love that. Um, Love that. Merciful Fates Don't Break the Oath was released, Judas Priest Defender of Fate, yeah. and Iron Maiden's Power Slave with mega hit singles such as Aces High and Two Minutes to Midnight was released. So another amazing year in music for sure. So Metallica goes on tour in Europe right after the recording of this album to promote it and performs at several major music festivals uh, in Europe and in the U.S. such as Monsters of Rock. Two months after the release of Ride the Lightning, Elektra Records signs Metallica to a multi-album deal and reissues the album with broader distribution. Ride the Lightning ends up peaking at 100 on the Billboard charts with zero radio play. Pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. So let's look at the lineup before we start our discussion of this album. We've got <laughs> Fight Fire with Fire, 
Ride the Lightning, For Whom the Bell Tolls, Fade to Black, Trapped Under Ice, Escape, Creeping Death, and The Call of Cthulhu. Wow. <laughs> another hit machine. Solid. In my opinion. Top so um, another freaking amazing album. Another fantastic example of a real, true thrash album. I love Ride the Lightning. Yeah, the <laughs> Ride the Lightning, it yeah. just takes, I think, what was great about Kill 'Em All and just turns everything up a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're expanding their musical palette. There's more more types of sound in this. Um, from the opening, the, the first... 30 seconds of this um, album, I think, was a statement. You have this great opener in Fight Fire with Fire. You have this beautiful acoustic medley coming in, and then it immediately punches you in the face with this awesome thrash riff that comes in there. And um, I love contrast in my songs. I'm huge into contrast. Um, Ride the Lightning and Creeping Death are both... I have, I have a hard time choosing which one I like better. Those are both awesome songs. Whom the Bell Tolls is an oh. epic, epic song. One of their best. Perfect um, word, epic. Perfect yeah. word for that. For Whom the Bell Tolls. For Whom the Bell Tolls is like the call of thrash to me. Yeah. That is the song of the ages. Yeah. Now, that Fade to Black. For a song, for a song yeah. with no guitar solo to be that epic is, I mean... That stands out because the other the other big songs of the day all had these you know thrashy guitar solos, and here we got here we have from the bell tolls which rocks beginning to end and no real true guitar solo. I mean, talk about shaking it up. Yeah, and fate to black is in my opinion is the best song of the Cliff Burton era. Um, I think that's a true masterpiece. And again, Ooh. a song with contrasting elements. Um, <laughs> I loved, you know, to me, the, we- the, weakest link, the weakest link on this album, I think would be, um, you know, trapped under ice was great. It was a, that trapped under ice is a true thrasher. Um, escape is probably the weakest. I love the solid guitar riffs, but I'm not crazy about the chorus. And then the call of Cthulhu, which is another decent, decent instrumental. But uh, yeah, I I love this love this album uh, from beginning to end. Agreed. Uh-huh. This album is just for me. This album just kicks ass. Um, there's something a little interesting though that happens for me in this album is I so we we talked about this before on another show that won't be released. <laughs> <laughs> when we did our original yeah. Aussie show, um, <laughs> oh, da, da. I mean, which 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 oh. show? Which show are you referring to? That, we, uh, <laughs> yeah. that, we, that won't be released. Oh, jeez. Oh my God. Um, we talked about what would I think have Ozzy, happened. Ozzy and Dave Mustaine are both here today. That's, That's crazy. Right. That's this is a star I mean, what, show. What, what, what an honor. honor. Yeah. We have some honor. <laughs> so we we. Touched on the subject, what if Randy Rhodes had lived? Would he have stayed with Ozzy? What would Ozzy's uh, career had? What would it have been like? What would have happened? And I do the same thing with Cliff Burton and Metallica. I personally feel um, 
that Cliff would not have stayed on the heavy thrash train, in my opinion. And I think that is the trajectory the band took after he passed, um, kind of because that's the direction they were going and they didn't really know how to not go in that direction anymore. Um, so I feel like you start to see that more. Uh, what's the word I want to say? I don't know how to put this into the proper words. The softer, more melodic, more melodic is yeah, melodic mm-hmm. side. And I, I, I love this album. I absolutely love this album. However, looking back, you can kind of see the thrash starting to get chipped away a little bit. I feel like, um, you For know, sure. that, that, that balance is, is sadly what what was not kept. And I think you can start to hear it here for sure. And then it really comes through in Master of Puppets, which we'll discuss in the next show. But man, the lineup of these songs in Ride the Lightning was just is unbelievable. Again, like, I mean, for their first, you know, re, you know, big, widely distributed record, the, the, this the first this was the first record many people heard before going back and getting kill them all is another hell of an early record for a band to come out with. And so again, stands the test of time, in my opinion, completely 100% another freaking amazing example of thrash at its finest. And I didn't even mention uh, James Hetfield's voice. You can, that's another thing that's improvement. I think his testes are finally starting to drop um, in here. It's you not know, that he pre-pub- just, it's not that he doesn't sound like a yeah. screaming seventeen-year-old. Well, yeah. he he also wasn't comfortable and didn't really want to be. Um, he, yeah, he had no intention of being the lead singer of a band. No, he didn't right. want to very, be very shy. Yeah. yeah, and he and Mustaine was the one that would go out. You know, was the personality, so he had yeah. to come into that, and I think. You know, that was also just learning music better, having a good producer, a good producer. Let me tell you, man, producers don't get enough credit, not from people. I don't I don't think most lay people understand how important a good producer is. It's not just about recording the album, mm-hmm. um, especially for a band like this, a formative band. Producers often you might be writing with the producer. You may be writing in studio or writing in rehearsals beforehand. And the producer is a part of that process. A producer can help can help with so much. And um, Rasmussen absolutely had such an influence on these guys. Huge. And I think just really um, help them grow into their own. You know, of course, Cliff, but Cliff was young, too. You know, um, I, I really think that it should be mentioned as much as possible the impact that Fleming had on this band in their formative years, and they owe a lot to him, in my opinion. Yeah, I, th- I think when you're looking at you're looking at this album, you're looking at uh, <clears throat> James and Lars both come from families that are well educated in music. They they both understand what good music sounds like. But they are not well trained. They're they're very immature in their in their talents. Whereas you have Cliff, who is not only well versed but also well trained. He's very talented. He's classically trained. You know, early on they're kind of feeding off of off of him. He's kind of teaching them things. We come into this album. I think this is this album shows great maturity 
of mm-hmm. of Lars and James moving forward. And I think having somebody that they respected as a producer, to your note, Sailor, that uh, having Rasmussen, that Lars was such a huge fan of mm-hmm. from his work with Deep Purple, that he just clicked to him and, and respected him right off the bat. And so there that that bond and that relationship to be able to partner where in we'll we'll talk about in later albums where certain producers or sound engineers that they had less respect for really, really changed how the album came out as a final product. But in this album, I feel this is a great culmination of maturity, of talent, but yet. At the same time, there's still, you know, there's still a bunch of f u guys, so they're they're kind of like they're they're still at that trajectory point of blending, you know, that that concert band of let's just let's thrash it out, let's give it to them. But hey, we also have uh, we're improving musically every day. We've got a great producer. There's a great blend of music yeah. on this album. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there are so many different styles and levels on this album that it it, it is uh it's if you're a Metallica top- fan, it is it's you can't you cannot you can't shortchange this album. Someone taught Lars how to play drums, number one. That was important. <laughs> he took drum lessons. Yeah. yeah number one. During this number, album. Yeah. yeah. Number two, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the 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 key thing that Fleming Rasmussen brought to them was here's how you can make these different styles work because you had Cliff who's like music theory music theory you know there has to be a melody whatever and then you've got the guys who we spoke about earlier naturally are good at yeah. songwriting and arranging have good ears and so how do we put that all together and then how does he take this very very green band and so. um you know, bring the color out of them a little bit. I'm glad that many, many, many years later, uh, Rasmussen actually uh, won a Grammy for uh, one. So at least he was, yeah. at least there's that. But um, I think that, I think it happens often with young bands that you don't look at the environment and the atmosphere around the band to see how changes happened, you know, Um I think that's a hard thing for most people. They just, you know, oh, the band's responsible for everything, you know, like, oh, the band did, you know, and, and there's just so many other it's forces at work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a team. Absolutely. I've been in a studio myself. I've recorded in a studio and I've sat with other bands recording, you know, and it's, it, it you, you can't do it without a great producer. I just can't say enough about him um, because I'm just so in love with these albums and so, um, well, and that and that producer, that with, that producer, yeah. not only had, you know, Lars take drum lessons, but also had uh, Kirk work with uh, Joe Satriani, but mm-hmm. prior to an album mm-hmm. to improve his guitar sound. So it, I mean, you have mm-hmm. musicians that are on their own uh, improvement trajectory, and here's this producer encouraging them to take lessons from other people while they're rising to the top in their genre it's incredible yeah. and and to to do a tangent off of what you guys are saying 
Um, the analogy I always use between these two albums is that for me, Kill 'Em All was like the college frat party, and Ride the Lightning was like a senior year sort of paid internship. Like they're still partying, but they're getting a lot more serious, mm-hmm. and it's well getting said. real. It's well getting said. real. Um, yeah. And to that point, to your guys' point, I think two of the main reasons why that transition happened and it happened so smoothly is Rasmussen, first of all, being the producer. Second of all, I think Hetfield and Ulrich, I think they're opening their ears a lot more, mm-hmm. especially to Burton, because Burton, this is his, he's like, hey guys, let's let's take a step back. Let's, let me show you a couple things. Let's, mm-hmm. let's take it. It's a, it's a, progr- it's a progression. So you're going from Kill 'Em All to Ride the Lightning, uh, and I think you see the pinnacle of that pro- progression with Master Puppets. But I think this album is, for me anyway, it was the intro to to metal music. This this album here, um, specifically, you know, for whom the bell tolls was, and still is, is probably my favorite Metallica song. It's in my, it's it's there are three Metallica songs that that are the be all end all for me. For whom the bell tolls is is one of those. And I think that uh, that song in particular, it just makes this album. It really does make this album. And, you know, Hammett's solo aside, you don't need it. You don't really need it in that song. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, hard, hard, to, hard to not have that on a, uh, if you're a true Metallica fan, hard to not have that on your list of greatest songs. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think we all agree that these are two phenomenal albums Mm -hmm. they stand the test of time for sure very i mean they deserve all the respect um for for being so young and so inexperienced to come out with this i mean that's just natural you know that's just something organic that happened that's just that's just fucking magic so um i'm really excited for next show (laughs) to talk about master of puppets because i won't give it away now but that original Instagram post was actually about Ride the Lightning versus Master of Puppets. That's how that post went. Mm-hmm. So um, those are the two albums that I have a difficult time choosing. I love Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets are my, my three favorite Metallica albums. But I have a hard time choosing between Kill 'Em All and Master of Puppets to say which album is my absolute favorite if I can right. only choose one. So it'll be very interesting um, next show when we do that up against Injustice for All, which is a the next show will be very emotional for me. For sure, I mean, I think for for all of us because I think what's I think what's difficult with this show is that we're trying to compare uh, one album that is pretty clear in its genre of thrash and another album which shows a trajectory moving forward into kind of more of a blended metal where yeah. they're they're i mean they're they're, they're tough to compare. they're tough to compare yeah, yeah. Well, they, they are their, tough at, to compare yeah at that time they're creating their own genre mhm that's so, right they've uh, always created so, their own genre really yeah on. so so it's it, it's that's a tough one to compare and i don't know if there's i mean I'm not a huge thrash guy. So if you were to say, which album do you just like better between the two? It, to me, it's easy to say that I like ride the lightning better between the two. But if you're just asking me to judge the merits of the two, then, then 
they're both going to stand at the top of their genres for me because I think that they sit in two separate genres. Mm. Yeah, I comparing the two. Interesting. Oh, yeah, I don't think I'm, so. I if if someone said, okay, you can only listen to one of these albums for the rest of your life, I would have to go with Ride the Lightning simply for the fact that, like like Sailor said earlier, and the same word came up um, when I was trying to describe Kill 'Em All with the word green. This is a, yeah, it's definitely a first effort, um, a very good first effort, but still a first effort. They're still developing their sound. Ride the Lightning expands their musical palette, and you know it's a lot more listenable overall. But you can live without Seek and Destroy. I mean, I just couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't live without Seek and Destroy. I can. I can. I I can't. You know what? If it meant between this entire album and that one song, I would go with this entire album. I mean, (sighs) if you're talking about these two albums on their own, that's difficult. If you're talking about the entire you know, trackography or no, we're talking about these two. These two, we have yeah, to okay. choose. Yes. We have to choose between the two. Yeah, so for, you know, so for me, two for Ride yeah, the Lightning. It tough. sounds like it's so tough. far. So for it me, it, yeah, but for me, it's like it's so difficult to choose between these two albums. But I have to take it to like to personal life experience after you know going track by track and listening to it a thousand times over in my life. And I have to go ride the lightning just from the personal experience because it was my gateway into metal music was ride the lightning. So I have to go ride the lightning. I do too. Although it yeah. it's heartbreaking. It's tough. Yeah, it's it, tough. It, I mean, I want seek and destroy. I also love Whiplash. I'm I'm one of those weirdos. This is, I, this one is of my by favorites. no means a slam dunk for any of us. I don't. Yeah, think. no, yeah, we're, no. we're yeah. not we're not saying one album is necessarily less than no, the of other. Course not. We're just saying amazing things. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's almost a one A and one B in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. But there must be a winner, though. (laughs) Well, I think there can be only one. Yeah. I mean, I think think we all all like Ride the Lightning. I think Ride the Lightning definitely deserves to be. I I agree. I I think there's a a level of maturity there that can't go unnoticed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally agree. The musicianship is just a lot better. And on this album, yeah, and they, the, like we were saying, the the, ba- the band members they all worked their asses off to, to make themselves better for this album. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we have a winner uh, for part one of Metallica, and uh, we're all going to unanimously, interesting, choose wow. Ride the Lightning. So um, <laughs> that means Ride the Lightning moves up uh, to show number two. And uh, next Metallica show will be um, Master of Puppets against Injustice for All, and we will pick. A, <laughs> we'll have to pick a winner from those. And that, that is going to be a lot of basket, fun. That that I one. I think there may be a little more friction on that episode. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of friction. On that. I feel split one. down the middle on that one. Not, <laughs> not me. Not me. There's a clear winner already for me. There is a clear winner for me too. <laughs> Get your box uh, gloves out. I'm split yeah. as an individual. <laughs> You're split <laughs> <that> anyway. <laughs> so this was awesome. My favorite band, my favorite subject. I had yes. such a good time. I drank a lot of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I mean this this episode was longer than uh, than we normally do. I think we've yeah. all drank a lot more whiskey. Well, it deserves maybe, maybe, maybe we can sputter out some of our uh, our favorite something, Ed. Yeah. What uh, does someone have any uh, new favorite? 
uh, something they're listening to right now? Podcasts, <laughs> albums, bands, anything like that they might want to recommend? So in in studying for these Metallica uh, podcasts, I came across uh, I came across two podcasts that I mean for any Metallica fan are probably a must have at this point. Um, I'll plug probably one of them now and maybe one of them on the next episode. I'm going to jump off right off the bat and, and mention, uh, metal up your podcast, of course, perfectly named. <clears throat> um, it's a podcast completely dedicated to Metallica. They started off I think they're just over a year old now and they've done pretty much every album, Plus they've uh, they've interviewed different uh, different people in the industry, different people that have been involved with Metallica. Um, just a great podcast. Both the both the hosts are professional musicians. Um, one of them actually happens to uh, have been a part of two bands that I've been a big fan of, uh, the Orange County Supertones, as well as Demon Hunter. Demon Hunter Metalheads, check them out. They're dope. But yeah, that's a uh, Metal up your podcast. Check them out. How about you, Matt? Um, I will. Since we're talking about Metallica, I will plug um, Lars's podcast called "It's Electric." Fuck you, Lars. <laughs> Sorry, Sally. Uh, but Lars it's, have a but it's good. Um, <laughs> since we will be talking about Master of Puppets on the next episode, I highly recommend the episode where he gets all the members of Metallica together talking about the recording. Uh, of that album, and he gets Fleming Rasmussen, amongst other people, to come in and talk about it. Oh, I've seen that. That's awesome. Very great stuff. Very great stuff. Uh, as far as music goes, um, I will plug a friend's band right now, Kissing Candace. They have a new EP out, which came out late November. Uh, Those guys rock. They are fucking awesome. Uh, called Safe Word. Go check it out. <laughs> Who's still drinking? <laughs> that would be Jake, I think. How about you, Sailor? Um, I have been listening to Black Rebel Motorcycle Club's new album, Wrong Creatures. Um, love them. Huge, huge fan of theirs. So I've kind of been um, binging on that and listening to it over and over and over, as I do with new music often. Um, I also... As far as podcasts go, uh, I mean, we mention them all the time. Uh, my girls in the Drinking Darlings, they just uh, had a really awesome trip to the High West Distillery and um, did a four-part so cool. series on it with interviews, and it was just really super cool. So um, I've been listening to that. So Definitely give that a listen. Um, for those of you uh, that uh, maybe don't follow the Drinking Darlings, um Chrissy Martin, who's, we call her Little Dab, Little Dab of Bourbon, she is a whiskey sommelier, so um, her, I mean, they, they have a lot of fun on the show, um, her and the other gals, we all have a lot of fun, so they're, it's not only informative, but it's interesting, and uh, yay for whiskey chicks, so. When's the uh, Metal Rock whiskey trip to uh, High West, by the way? <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't uh, see. When, I didn't see it on the calendar. I'm just wondering. When well, we can't do High West. We have to do somebody else. Though. I'm just waiting for you to pay for me the, the cash, <laughs> and then, then then I'll book the yeah. tickets. <laughs> yeah, once we get a few sponsors, maybe we can start. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Anyone want to sponsor it. us to go on distillery tours? <laughs> so let's let's kind of back away from High West. Is there a Midwest? <laughs> oh yes. 
Yeah. Hey, Koval. Koval, maybe? Since we are all between, like, <laughs> East Coast and Chicago, what, we what can, can go we... to Whiskey Acres <laughs> in DeKalb, Illinois. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Or, or a new riff in uh, in Ohio. That seems like a, like a central point. Yeah, that'd be. Well, a riff little is more awesome. Central. I know those guys. They're amazing. Some of the nicest people. Um, super cool place. Very, very, very modern. Um, but a great. It's a great place. Um, we'll I was to gonna, discuss them. I was gonna suggest maybe someplace in New York that makes Hudson, perhaps. Yes. Matt's oh. now. Town Hill Town. <laughs> Dude, look at you East Coasters. Perfect. Yeah. Down. yeah. There's a, uh, speaking of them, if, uh, um, I think it's Tom Assatelli has a book called Whiskey Business that discusses, yep. uh, uh, craft, quote unquote craft. They kind of, uh, look at it as more small batch distilleries and breweries and, and, and that, uh, that particular distillery is mentioned highly in that book. It's a great and- book. And Jake, what was his last name again? Just for I think it's Asatelli or As Asatelli. <laughs> I think is what you were trying to get me to say. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Hey, speaking uh, of, uh, sorry, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a New York Jersey guy. How would you pronounce it, Matt? Uh, no, just how how you did. You did a great job doing that. I just wanted to hear you say it a second time. Speaking of authors, um, we should also give a shout out. Um, this is becoming a campaign now to one of our favorite authors, who is also a huge Metallica fan, Fred. Yeah, yes. Fred. 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 I've read. Well, when I say I've read, I've listened to all of his books. Whiskey Women, content-wise, was amazing. like amazing. Fantastic. For the love of God, the person that they hired to read the book. Could not have been worse. I struggled. <laughs> I struggled through the whole freaking book. Oh, no. oh man. No, I, this this not a this is not a dog to Fred. The content was amazing. They need to hire better people on Audible sometimes to read the book. All right. Well, just to lighten things up a little bit, um, since we're on the subject of uh, since we're on the subject of Metallica. If there's anyone out there who's a, pan, a fan of um, parody, there's a couple of bands. Um, one is called uh, Fade to Bluegrass, which oh. basically oh, takes takes Metallica songs yeah. and performs them in the style of bluegrass. Yeah. yeah. And depending on who you are, you might find that freaking hilarious. Or that might be the biggest sacrilegious thing you've ever seen in your no, life. No, they're one really the good. I love it. I love it. Uh, actually, they are pretty good. And yeah. the other one out there is called Beatallica, where they basically fuse the Beatles and Metallica. And it's oh, more no. like take a Beatles song and perform it in the style of Metallica. That sounds and... semi-sacrilegious. No. Interesting. Yeah. Now that, uh, it's interesting. So yeah. I'm just going to throw that out there. And let you be the judge. Garbage. On whether that's good or not. <laughs> but anyway, we just want to give a huge thanks to all of our listeners out there. And we ask you, please join us next week for another episode of the Metal Rock and Whiskey Podcast. Matt? And to all of our listeners out there, our fellow Metal Rock and Whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. 
please find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes, and please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. Please feel free to do the same on our Facebook page. Search Metal Rock and Whiskey and ask to join the group uh, to continue discussions, participate in polls, sound off on the show. Find us on YouTube also, and please subscribe on YouTube, on, on, on iTunes. Give us a review, and uh, just don't be a dick. Give us a five-star rating. You can also <laughs> you can also follow us individually on Instagram, uh, yours truly, at the Whiskey Assessor. That is Whiskey, save the E. Ed? You can find me on Instagram and Xbox Live as Bourbon Geek. Jake? Sailor? You <laughs> can. <laughs> We do this every time. Yes, I love it. Yes. Yeah, you can find me on the internet as Sailor Retro, and you can find me on Spotify as Sailor Retro, because I will be making playlists uh, from now on to match the shows. Um, and I did make one for this show. It's called uh, The Only Metallica You'll Ever Need. I believe that's what I called it. Um, let me just make sure. Because uh, now that I say it, I'm like, is that really what I called it? And, and I can't. So in other it. words, it's all old stuff. Yeah, the yeah. only Metallica that matters. <laughs> it's the only called the only Metallica. Uh-huh. So you can follow that playlist. Um, <laughs> not a big surprise what's in there. Yeah. So Jake. Yeah, if you were a huge fan of episode one of our Metallica series, <laughs> you might love that playlist. And two. And, and probably one and two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. You can find me at uh, Bourbon Spartan on Instagram, and um, our Patreon is up and moving. Um, check the link in our bio. Um, we're going to be doing some cool things there. Um, it has been under construction through the uh, first two episodes, if you've listened. So we're working on some really cool things there. And, guys, awesome. This was so much this fun. This was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun. <laughs> a ton of fun. This- this show, I mean, it, I hope I hope as a listener you understand how much we, as a crew, love Metallica. So I hope that comes through. I think but, it did. <laughs> yeah. But guess what? I mean, I did just pop the cork. Guess what? That, that glass is now empty. <laughs> so we're all pretty much hammered. Go yeah. to bed. Tip your waitress and go to bed. We're out. All right. Bye. Happy Valentine's Day. Hey, Happy Valentine's no, Day. Though, for real, though. Ed, Happy Valentine's Ed, Day. Ed does an awesome job editing these podcasts. He he takes out all my stupid shit. And, uh, and Sailor does a great job of, uh, of writing our content and producing these episodes. So thank you to you guys. Now everybody else go to bed. Bye. Fuck you, Lars. Hey listeners, you know that cool song we play at the beginning and end of our show? It's called Whiskey Always Wins, and it was written and performed by my dear friends of When Particles Collide. Please check them out on your favorite music streaming platforms and give them your support. Rock on, friends.